Welcome to Songcraft, Spotlight on Songwriters, a bi-weekly podcast featuring in-depth conversations with and about the creators of lyrics and music that stand the test of time. I'm Scott B. Bomar. And I'm Paul Duncan. Songcraft is part of the American Songwriter Podcast Network, which can be found at americansongwriter.com. To make sure you don't miss an episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our show via Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to help support Songcraft while accessing bonus content and rewards, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash songcraftshow. You can also keep up with us on Facebook and Twitter by searching for one word, Songcraft Show, or visit us at songcraftshow.com, where you can check out our episode archive and sign up for our email list. You're listening to Beautiful, a chart-topping ballad by Christina Aguilera that was nominated for a Song of the Year Grammy and written and produced by our guest on this episode of Songcraft, Linda Perry. From her early artist career with Four Non Blondes and their hit single, What's Up, to her work as a behind-the-scenes songwriter and producer on hit singles such as Pink's Get the Party Started, to her recent Grammy-nominated collaboration with Dolly Parton, the Songwriters Hall of Famer and pioneering female producer will join us in a moment to talk about her remarkably wide-ranging career. Part one. Well, Paul, before we jump into our interview today, um, you know, we get emails from people who visit our website, wanted to uh, tell us uh, what they think of the show. And occasionally um, some of them are um, actually kind and uh, <laughs> and worthy of broadcast. Uh, <laughs> um, you don't want to read the hateful ones. <laughs> uh, you know, fortunately, we have not gotten a lot of hate mail, but uh, we, we have uh, in the last week gotten some some nice complimentary emails from from people who uh, have been listening to the show, I thought I would uh, share a couple with you and, and with our, our listeners just to let people know that, you know, we read these and, and we appreciate the, the feedback and the communication. Um, the I'd first love one, it. Yeah. yeah. I, I could use the encouragement today. Let's do this. Right. Yeah. In 2020, we need all the encouragement we can get. Um, so the first one is from a guy named Danny. He says, uh, just want to say how awesome and inspiring your unique show is. And thanks. As hosts, you are such great interviewers, and it's great to hear the artists talk about their work and lives. Your presentation is so well researched and your interviewing is so great. Um, so that was that's, wow. a little, that's a nice pick me up. That's that was, really nice. That was Thank very you, Danny. Cool. Yeah, thanks, Danny. Um, and then we've got another one uh, that just came in yesterday from uh, Kevin. It says, hello, I only recently discovered your show, and I'm going through all the archives and loving what I'm hearing. You guys do a beautiful job preparing for your interviews and interacting with your guests. Thank you for all you're doing from a former music critic who is now inspired again thanks to this podcast. Wow. So, yeah. So that, that guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. I, I have a couple thoughts uh, about these. Number one is... Kevin and Danny are are representing our our male fan base. Uh, we'd like to hear from the ladies. I don't know that we hear a lot from the ladies, do we? Uh, well, that's that's kind of been the story of our lives, hasn't it? <laughs> that has been kind of the story of our lives. That's true. Um, but ladies, if if you're out there listening, um, we it, is it acceptable to say ladies nowadays? It, it feels old-fashioned. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. I, it felt kind of like dismissive when I said it like that. Yeah. Um, you, so. If any of you little old gals out there listening <laughs> want to let us know what you think of the show, too. Wow. That, <laughs> that's not how I felt like I was delivering it, but um, I understand how it could have landed that way. Yeah. Uh, public yeah. apology from me now. <laughs> but, um, you know, if, if there is a cross-section of listeners out there, 
then uh, feel free to, to, to chime in. Number two, I like this idea of making emails public. Um, I mean, there, you and I had a text thread this morning with some of our high school buddies. We should read all of that. Yeah, that probably should not be made public. Okay. Uh, uh, we should we should burn our phones. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it is it is nice to uh, to share the messages that we're getting uh, regarding the show with the other listeners um, because also uh, it's it's a way to say um, hey we we love hearing from you guys um, and obviously our favorite emails are ones like this that are uh, you know stroking our fragile egos yeah. but uh, <laughs> but we also just love to hear feedback on the show if there's a particular guest that you uh, would like to hear particularly if you have uh, an in with that guest sure. and can help us uh, get them we you know we love uh, all kinds of feedback we also uh, have actually used uh, some uh, input from people when they have ideas about what we should talk about in this goofball section uh, of our <laughs> podcast that happens at the beginning so, uh, you know, just any of those sort of bar stool type musical conversations that, that come up in your lives, feel free to pass those on to us and, and we'll kick them around here, too, uh, if they're not stupid. Yeah, we need to uh, at least make sure it, it meets the same caliber of, of quality as uh, some of our past topics of conversations, like who wears their wallet on stage. Right. Yeah. Real highbrow <laughs> stuff. That's what we're looking for here. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's pretty academic, but uh, we, we think you guys can handle it. You know, honestly, outside of just the emails that come to us, it, on a serious note, the reviews that some of you have been leaving uh, on our Apple podcast page, things like that, um, they really do make a difference. Um, I mean, think about it. When you're going to a podcast, if, if you see that it's got a million five-star reviews, you're like, ah, I'll give this a chance. So thanks to all of you who have been doing that, who have been kind of positively yelping us <laughs> to the podcast world. Um, we, uh, we, we ask you continue to do that um, and let people know if you love it. If, if, uh, if you hate it, just let us know in private. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. If you hate it, why are you here? I, that, that would be the other question. If you hate it, why are you listening right now? But you make a good point because uh, during these these times of COVID-19, I have taken on a number of uh, habits that I did not have before, uh, one of which is jogging every morning. Mm. And I've been listening to podcasts while I jog. And I really rely on if I'm looking through and I want to know, hey, is this podcast going to be worth my time? Uh, I really rely on those ratings and reviews. So it really does make a difference uh, for me as a consumer of podcasts, uh, what I want to spend my time listening to. So if you guys love the show and, and you've gotten something from it, uh, if you don't mind taking a moment to go and let other people know what you think about it and give us a, a rating or review or, or whatever on, on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts, um, it, really, it really does make a difference. Yeah, and nothing is more inspiring on a run than a couple of middle-aged guys heavily breathing into microphones <laughs> while they talk right. about songwriting. It just really gets you going. The, the more I jog, uh, the less heavy the breathing on the microphone is going to become. So, you know, it, it really helps everybody. It's a good point. So if, if you're between push-ups right now, you're welcome. <laughs> Part two. Singer, songwriter, musician, producer, and Songwriters Hall of Fame inductee Linda Perry first made her mark as an artist, serving as lead vocalist and primary songwriter of the group Four Non Blondes, which is best known for the top 15 pop hit What's Up. Following a couple of solo albums, Linda emerged as a powerhouse songwriter and producer thanks to her work on Pink's multi-platinum Misunderstood album. The debut single Get the Party Started, which Linda wrote solo, was a global smash. 
She followed it up with another solo written composition, Beautiful, which became a chart-topping ballad for Christina Aguilera that earned a Grammy nomination for Song of the Year. Subsequent chart success came with Gwen Stefani's debut solo single, What You Waiting For, Alicia Keys' Superwoman, Ariana Grande's debut single, Put Your Hearts Up, Miley Cyrus's Hands of Love, and additional singles for Aguilera, including the top 10 hits Hurt and Keeps Getting Better. Recently, Linda collaborated with Dolly Parton on the soundtrack of the film Dumplin', including the song Girl in the Movies, which was nominated for both a Golden Globe and a Grammy Award. Linda is a four-time Grammy nominee, including a 2019 nomination for Producer of the Year, making her the only solo female producer to ever earn a nomination for their work producing other artists. The long list of artists Linda has produced, collaborated with, or had her songs covered by includes Adele, Courtney Love, Cheap Trick, Faith Hill, Britney Spears, KT Tunstall, Weezer, Pat Benatar, Solange, LP, Joan Jett, The Chicks, Vanessa Carlton, Celine Dion, Elvis Costello, and Lady Gaga. In addition to her prolific songwriting and production activities, Perry is a multifaceted music industry entrepreneur, having worked as a music publisher, manager, or mentor with artists such as James Blunt, Dorothy, and Natasha Bedingfield. Linda, welcome to Songcraft. Thank you, Scott, for having me, and Paul. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to speak with you. Um, in these interviews, we typically walk through a songwriter's career uh, chronologically, but um, since Paul and I were both born and raised in Nashville, I think it would be fun to start with your work with Dolly Parton, which is much more recent. Um, you guys collaborated on five songs on the 2018 soundtrack of the film Dumplin', which you also produced. Um, that includes Girl in the Movies, which earned you Golden Globe and Grammy nominations. And, you know, Dolly Parton has such a larger-than-life persona that I think it's easy for people to forget that she's easily one of the greatest living American songwriters. Um, talk about how you ended up working with her and, and what that experience was like for you. Well, I mean, Dolly is just, let's just face it, she's just, she's in a whole other level. Um, the way she, her work ethic, um, her writing, her personality, the most recognizable person on this planet hmm. um, and has has like something like 3,000 unreleased songs. Wow. Uh, you know, she doesn't consider it writing. She just does it. Like she, every single day she's writing and operating on a frequency that most people can't even relate to or will ever be able to achieve or hear that frequency. Um, and, 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 and then on top of it, one of the nicest, most humble, knowing exactly who she is, she's still extremely humble about it. And, and always lifting people up, no matter if it's the guy that, is you know parking the car or the big producer that walked in or the you know person that just brought her a juice it doesn't matter like she treats everybody equally 
Hmm. And she's constantly lifting people up. Her ego is interesting because it's very present, her ego and her confidence, but it's not enough to want to take up all of the attention and um, take all the credit. And, and she's investing in human beings. In her career, you, you, you can see that. Like she's, she's constantly, every move is like she's really looking out for the people and constantly investing into that person because one compliment, one credit given, she knows can change that person's life forever. Yeah, it's it it doesn't seem like the most like, you know, speaking stylistically or or genre or whatever. I wouldn't automatically think, "Oh yeah, Linda Perry and and Dolly Parton. That's that's bound to happen." How how did you guys wind up connecting? Yeah, well, so, you know, I've been on a Dolly train, you know, for most of my life since I've seen Dolly or heard her music, and I've always felt like I just related to her like there was something about her when I was a kid that I just loved I mean I was just like her whole style everything the way she talked her songs so I when I started getting into writing and producing my number one thing was is I was going to get to Nashville because one day I was going to work with Dolly Parton and this is during the pink and beautiful you know stuff um yeah and then I don't know it was probably Probably a year before Dumplin', I don't even remember when Dumplin' was, but a year before that, I had met her manager, and I called him pretty much on a regular basis that whole year. <laughs> you know, I met I met him, I got to say hi briefly to her, but it was mainly, I, I made the connection with him, and um, so I called him all the time, sent him a text, emailed, and then one day I get a phone call and from the music supervisor Buck Damon said hey I'm working on this movie with Dolly Parton I said yes he's like well you didn't hear I'm like yes and he's like but you didn't hear anything I'm like I don't care you said Dolly Parton I'm in whatever it is I don't fucking care if it's bringing her coffee I'm in and he started laughing and he's like well let me give you the pitch first and you know here it is about this movie about this girl blah 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 and it's all about Dolly Parton but she's not in it but he's like, you know, we need an end title song. I'm like, I'm in. I'll do it. And he's like, well, I'm not sure if I believe you're the right person, but I wanted to reach out to you because I was in a meeting with his manager, with her manager, and and they expressed interest. And I'm like, listen, you don't fucking. He's like, there's one other person I got to go to. I said, don't you fucking dare. I go, this job is mine. Right. I earned this, you know, this is my job. I will fucking die for you on this project. I don't give a fuck what you want me to do. I am doing it and I will do it. I'll give you the best results. It'll be amazing. I mean, just <laughs> he started laughing. He's like, well, I'm going to check out this other person and I'll come back to you. And so he came back to me a week later and said, all right, you know what? I'm going to take a chance on you. And he gave me the job. So the job was to um, write a song with her. So, of course, as soon as I'm in, I'm like, 
I don't think that's good enough. I think I need to whole, do a whole album with Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton's coming back. I mean, are you kidding me through this, like, uh, you know, this movie? And I want to do a whole album. I think we should do six originals and cover five of her songs. Hmm. And then he, he jumped on and he's like, well, I was thinking about doing that and weaving the songs through the movie. I'm like, yes, um, I'll do it. I can do it. He's like, can you do stuff like that? I'm like, yes, I can do it. No idea what he's talking about. Weaving it through the movie. You know, I'm just like going, yes, sure. So anyways, so I go ahead and Buck and I start picking the songs um, that we're going to redo. You know, so we're like, okay, we're going to redo these songs. And he's liking, you know, because he originally was just going to use the originals. And he was like, well, I'm liking the idea of re-recording these. I'm like, yeah. So I just start recording. Now, mind you, the movie the producers, the direct, nobody even knows that I'm, that this is happening. I just start going and I don't fucking care. You know, I'm uh, Dolly Parton. I'm going for it. And so I start recording these songs and then I send them to her manager and her. So now I'm going out to Nashville to get her, they approve. I'm going out there to, to do the vocals. I'm like going, holy fuck. You know, I got through one, one step and then I get there, and I'm not kidding you, Scott and Paul. It was like she came out, and she's like, oh, my God. I was sitting and spinning in my chair. Oh, my God, I love what you did. I, when they said Linda Perry was going to do this, you know, I was I was going to go along with it, but I thought you were going to do, like, that pop thing, and that's just not who I am, <laughs> but I was going to go along with it because you're you and I'm me, and I'm sure it, you and me together would have worked perfectly no matter what the situation, but, oh, my God, you reinvented these songs, and I was sitting in my chair, and I was like, Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. What is this? It's like it's edgy, but it's not. And you just really captured the You made me love these songs again. And listen, I wrote these songs a long, long time ago, way before you were even out of your little chicken coop. But I was like, you know, whatever she goes on and on. Amazing. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm like... In. I'm like inside going, I'm fucking in, I'm in. And then so we're starting to do vocals and we have it tomorrow, the next day, her and I are supposed to write song, a song, right? And she's like, so what do you have in, what's your plan for tomorrow? Like I haven't written a song with uh, somebody in a very, very long time. And you know what? I don't think I've ever written a song with a woman before. And just wow. so you know, I've never worked with a woman before, you know? And I was like, um, well, I feel like we need... We're doing a whole album, so we're going to have five of the, um, your, uh, we're doing five of your old songs. We're going to reimagine those, and then, which you've heard, and then I, I need six uh, uh, new songs. And she looked at me, and she was like, oh, Lord, no, I don't know if that's going to happen. You know, you're lucky you're going to get one out of me. Oh, my God, you're, right. you know, that is a lot. And anyways, the next day I show up, we write three songs. The next day I show up, we write another three songs. We wrote six songs in two days. And wow. then one day she spent doing all the lyrics. So wow. basically in three days, we wrote three, um, six songs. That's amazing. And she loved every moment of it. The manager came to me. He's like, you're a keeper. I don't know what you did, but I haven't seen Dolly this inspired in years. And she, I'm like, I'm keeping, he's like, I'm keeping you around. And then that was the beginning of our beautiful awesome i love dolly parton so much it's like i can't even 
There's not a, you don't have enough time on your podcast for me to talk about Dolly. <laughs> That's so One of cool. the hardest working people and she's so prolific. I mean, she's a, it just comes like she wrote six lyrics in what in one night. Jeez. One night. I want to be the girl in the movies. The one with the glint in her eyes. The girl that seldom loses. Beautiful with grace and style. Acting out her story. Standing in her glory. Happy ever after. Well, you know, continuing to dig into to who you are and what makes you tick, I, I want to go all the way back to the beginning. I, I want to hear a bit about where you grew up, some of your earliest musical memories, you know, the, and things that shaped you as a kid and made you think, hey, maybe I could pursue a life in music one day. Well, I, for me, it was very, I was raised in San Diego. Um, my family was, uh, you know, we were not a rich uh, family. I mean, we're below middle class. And um, my father was into Frank Sinatra, Cole Porter, um, you know, like that style of music and jazz. Then my mother is Brazilian and she loved Sergio Mendes, um, Brazil 66, uh, um, Gerberto. I mean, I can't remember. Carmen Miranda. I mean, like, oh, my God, so much Carmen Miranda. <laughs> and how she knew her, met her in Brazil. And, you know, so she had this likeness to her. And then my sister loved Beach Boys and Elvis Presley. Uh, my brothers loved the Beatles. And, you know, I don't know, I guess it would be back then the turtle like anything like that you know 60s they right. loved like more of the harder core 60s music i didn't i didn't really quite understand what they were listening to as much but um and then i liked um the jungle book for some reason that sound <laughs> that that musical disney moment just really s- stayed with me um <laughs> and then i grew up loving musicals like barbara streisand all stuff like that I was very infatuated with. But I didn't have my own style. Uh, I Then one day I saw Karen Carpenter, the Carpenters, on some show. And I was trying to understand where the singer was coming from because it was, God, it was, an, I don't, I can't even remember what show it was. But I, I heard the singing, but I couldn't see the singer. And then... I didn't realize the singer was playing drums and the voice, the haunting voice, like it was like, I was very depressed. I was a very sad kid, but I heard this tone that just, it was her tone, not hmm. the lyrics because the lyrics were just ridiculously cheesy, <laughs> you know, but it was the tone like her, why do birth, you know, it was, it was sad. It was dark. It was something hmm. was going on with this person you know, and it wasn't birds, you know, and her singing about mm. the sun and, you know, every sha-la-la-la-la, you know, like ridiculous, but something about her tone just really captivated me. And then on top of it, she was singing and playing drums at the same time. And mm. that basically kicked me off. 
that's where I really started to understand melody. And I loved the Beach Boys. I loved the Beatles. I loved everything I loved. Um, Brazil Sissy Six. I loved Frank Sinatra. I took it all in. So my 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 grow my growing up, I took in everything that was in in my you know ear shot. You know, it. I was just taking it in. Everybody else's and what I was holding on to was the Carpenters and Karen Carpenter mainly, huh. and um, mm. and that's kind of what started me out. And I it, I got very emotional when I'd hear her sing. Huh. Wow, mm. wow. Um, one of my most vivid memories from college is uh, riding around in a little Honda Civic that belonged to my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, and. She had one of those little portable C players that, you know, like connected to the car's cassette deck through that little wire that was on a thing that, you know, plugged into the cassette player if you didn't have a right. C player in your car. Um, and every time I got in her car, there was always one of two CDs playing, which was no doubt's Tragic Kingdom or Four Non Blondes, Bigger, Better, Faster, More. And to this day... When I hear what's up, I still kind of instinctively get nervous, like I need to, to balance the little Sony disc man on my lap so it won't skip, you know, while we're driving. And so I wake in the morning and I step outside and I take a deep breath and I can't feel high and I scream from the top of my lungs, what's going on? And I say, hey, 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 I said, hey. That song um, has become such a kind of classic 90s staple, um, an, an enduring uh, song that I was shocked when I read uh, a piece about you in Rolling Stone. And you said that that was probably the first real song uh, that you'd written. And, you know, not a lot of people can say their first real song was a, a massive hit. Um, talk about how that came together and also how it changed your life. Well, I mean, the truth is you never really quite know how it comes together, but it's like it's a series of events that happen um, in a very fast montage, should you say. When you go back, it's all in a montage to me. But, hmm. um, you know, so, you know, I was I moved to San Francisco and I was making a name for myself as a solo artist. I started writing songs this huge voice showed up when I moved to San Francisco and um, I would grab my guitar and I'd show up at places like the night break paradise lounge the I-beam and say hey do you need anybody to perform tonight um, I play acoustic and I can carry the show all by myself and nobody was really doing that at the time in San Francisco hmm. and um, and I would always be met with a laugh like who are you and I'm like I'm Linda Perry you know it's like well what have you where have you played I'm like nowhere you know I'm that's <laughs> what I'm trying to do so you know Mark at the night break one day called me up and gave me a shot because a band canceled they couldn't make it so I got up on stage, and ever since then, I mean, and then at that moment, I was the go-to person to call in the city if you needed a great artist to just get up on stage with acoustic guitar, no big needs, you know, didn't have to do any ma massive teardowns, 
And so I started opening up for everybody. Um, and then this band came to me and, hey, do you want to be in our band? And I was like, well, I'm in solo. I'm, I'm doing fine. Thank you. And then right. I went and saw them. I'm like, ah, oh, they're pretty good. Well, I'll do a side project with them. And so I just sang all their songs. Right. And um, I didn't bring in any of mine. And um, it just felt like two different things. And then one day I was... Uh, looking at a video that this girl took of the band and I'm like oh we're pretty good like maybe I'll just focus all my energy in this and so I brought all my songs in and then that's kind of when we started taking off is because the you know the truth is the songs that they had weren't good they were just I'm gonna get fucked up and drunk and you know mosh around the the stage it was more like country punk (laughs) and um and then the songs I wrote were like, you know, more songs, you know. And so yeah. then I was in my room and one day uh, we, I think it was, I can't remember, it was Bush or Reagan, one of those two morons were in, you know, in office. And I uh, wrote, started writing this song and it was just a series of events that just, a series of words that were just popping out and... And I just wrote it, and then it had this, what am I going to do for the, hey, what's going on? I was was coming from frustration. I was coming from having no money, constantly struggling. And and I was in a room, you know, with a mattress and a, a bag and a dog, and I didn't understand why I had a dog when I couldn't even take care of myself, and he had fleas, and it was mm. just crazy. Anyways, so I wrote the song, and then m- my roommate at the time was Krista, the bass player of the band, and she came running in going, what was that song? I'm like, song I just wrote, and she's like, you should bring that in, and I'm like, yeah. So I brought it in into the band. We learned it, and then pretty much, I'm not kidding you, like, I mean, we played all the time, it it was like almost oddly overnight in a weird way we started having lines out the i mean around the block to come see us we never left we never went anywhere we didn't send any demos out the labels all started to show up and find us and that's kind of where that started <laughs> wow you know, when I think back to that period and and knowing of you in that band, I, I just remember kind of feeling this wild, you know, human energy to those songs. It felt like, you know, it was kind of close to the rails, you know. And then kind of seeing the work that you've done in pop, you've somehow maintained that that human heartbeat in the center of, you know, pop music can, can end up seeming, you know, kind of contained or, or maybe at its at its worst predictable. But your work hasn't been that way. And I, I sort of wonder, how, how have you maintained that, that thread of sort of human wildness as you're working in pop music, you know, in, in a more, of a, more of a contained medium? Well, you know, I'm, very, I'm a very specific brand, you know. Like, I don't know how to do... Like, I try for fun, you know, to just kind of like, okay, what's a song Justin Bieber would sing or... Blah, 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 blah. I, I, unfortunately, I just don't operate that way. Like, it has to come to me. That's why I have very few hits. It's like, because it's like, to me, it's a it's an art. It's I have to be in it. I have to be emotionally, you know, grounded and, um, and allow the flow to come out. And, you know, now I'm just distracted by so many things. I got 
you know, so many other, you know, projects happening that I'm not focusing and grounding. But I believe the why I can stay on the edge is because I am on the edge. I'm I'm a little nuts, you know, like I am a very, very specific type of human being. <laughs> you know, I have a character. I'm very aggressive. I'm very um, honest. I am fully transparent. I mean, you there's there's no hiding anything with me. I'm super caring, um, but I'm not afraid to go and attack. And I feel like. There's a lot of people like it's funny my career because people want deep right now. And so the phone is ringing when people don't want deep. I don't fucking even bother, you know, because hmm. I don't know how to not be that. It's just I don't know how to write a song that has absolutely no no message or I mean, even get the party started. It it was cool and edgy for pop like that's why that song went so big because if you listen to what was going on during that time that song showed up there was nothing like it you know and um right, right. the song was a joke it was like okay i'm the fucking queen of it all what am i going to do i'm gonna say you fucking better get this fucking party started because i'm coming That's me. The people that I have the most success with are the ones that are willing to go on the edge with me. But the ones, I've written great songs. I mean, there's some great fucking songs that have not been released by artists, but that they just didn't have the guts or the balls to go that direction. And unfortunately, Hmm, it's always that case, isn't it? It's like, you know, you know, Nirvana shows up, no one wanted them, they got passed on by everybody. Then they have success. Everybody loves Nirvana. Then they do their their own their watered down versions of Nirvana, and then forget that someone took a risk and signed um, Nirvana. You know, it's like for some yeah. reason the industry forgets the risks that they take, and then they forget that those risks are historical choices. They have made, you know, like a moment in fucking history that those choices have always paid off to be something massive and great. But every single fucking time, they forget that and you have to remind them. Why is that? Every fucking time a label or an artist or somebody comes in with this like I'm afraid mentality to make this choice yeah. because I don't want to lose my career. I don't want to get fired. I don't want to take that risk. And then sure enough, they're doing everything exactly. I don't fucking know who the fuck is on the radio right now. I don't. And I, I don't really care, to be quite honest. I hear a lot of great songs that I, I turn on and I'll go, yeah, that's cool. But honestly, I don't give a fuck who they are. It's just entertainment. Hmm. It's yeah. ear candy. Give me somebody right. that I can go out and buy an album with. That's the one I'm going to pay attention to. Not because I'm snobby, not because I'm nostalgic, because it will always be better than mm-hmm. the one single I'm hearing trending, you know, on Apple. Well, you mentioned uh, 
Get the Party Started, which, of course, was one of several songs uh, on Pink's hugely successful 2001 album, Misunderstood, um, that you wrote and or produced. Um, And that album was certified platinum many times over, one of the best-selling records of the year. Not a bad way to introduce yourself to the world as a behind-the-scenes songwriter and producer after um, having been known as an artist. But of course, one of the people who was drawn to your work on that record was Christina Aguilera. Um, you ended up working with her on the 2002 album Stripped and the massive hit Beautiful, another song um, that, like, Get the Party Started, you, you wrote solo. I am beautiful, no matter what they say. Words can bring me down. I am beautiful in every single way. Yes, words can bring me down. No, no. So don't you bring me down today. I'd like to hear not only about the song, but I understand that even the production process of of getting Christina to to do that song in the way it needed to be done um, was a bit of a shift for for her in terms of the way she approached the recording process. Well, Christina, you know, has one of the best voices out there. Like it's I don't think people even realize how great her voice is because there's this tone that she rarely uses. And it's this really beautiful low tone that I've gotten from her. And um, it's got this beautiful resin to it. It sounds like, you know, like, you know, her low sounds like that beautiful low end that you hear from a cello. It's It's got like that little hmm. scratch. It's like full body. It's rich. It's mahogany. It's beautiful, you know. And um, and then she can go up to those extremely high highs. And um, so her range is beyond what a lot of people can do. So when when we met, I met her really briefly at some showcase or something like that, and it was just like high and bye. Then one day, I don't even think um, Pink's album was out yet. I'm not certain it was, but it may have been, but I don't think it was yet. But she um, was at this club, and I never go out, and I went out, and and she was sitting there. I saw her with a, her, like, group of people bodyguard everything and then they all disappeared and then she was sitting you know behind the red rope with her couch and bottles of vodka and champagne and um I walked up and I you know the bodyguard was stopping me and and she's like oh you can let her go let her in and so I went in there and I said hey how are you doing? And um, she's like, I'm good, you know, and just very, you know, she's very quiet. Christina's shy. And um, I said, so, um, hey, I heard you're working on an album. And I wasn't even trying to pitch myself for the album. I just said, I heard you're working on an album. She's like, yeah, I'm working on it, you know. And I said, you know, you should uh, really use your depression and your darkness on it because everybody knows you can sing, but nobody knows you actually can feel what you're singing. And, hmm, and wow. I said, so 
all right, see you later. And then I walked away. <laughs> and then my friend, my friend was all, what did you just say to Christina Aguilera? And I'm all, and I told him, he's like, oh my God. I'm like, why? He's like, because she watched you walk away with her mouth open, you know, the whole time and like shocked. And I'm like, he's like, oh my God, Linda, you can't say shit like that to people like her. And I'm like, why not? I was telling her the truth. I can tell she's depressed and she's dark and she should use it. You know, what's wrong with me telling her that? Anyways, a week later, her mm. people call and she wants to come hang out with me. And so apparently after that conversation, she went and she, I guess, wanted to work with Dallas Austin, maybe. And he played her the album and she kept gravitating to my song. She's like, did you do that song? He's like, no, that was Linda Perry. Did you do that song? No, that was Linda Perry. And so she was like, fuck, I'm calling Linda Perry. And um, so anyways, that's how that started. So the first day she showed up, I have a policy. You can't have managers or people. You can't have a you can't have your fans or your posse or whatever you call that, you know, come in. It's like it's too distracting. So she showed up by herself and um, she's and I had just written beautiful. And um, and she said, uh, well, can you play me something like I had beautiful, but I had just finished writing the lyrics and. And um, and she's like, can you play me something? I'm like, yeah. So I start playing her beautiful. And then by the end of it, she comes up to me and she's like, um, can you uh, put that demo that down for me and write out the lyrics? And I'm like, why? And she's like, because I want that song for my album. And I was like very taken by it. And I had to have her sing it first. And then when she showed up to sing it, I let her have it, bring a friend. And I gave her the the, the lyrics um, I recorded the piano already and we were just doing a demo because the deal was I was just going to see how she sang it in order for me to understand if it was what she should have, you know. And then she literally, the song starts and she looks at her friend and she says, don't look at me. And the way she said it sounded so vulnerable and so real. One, I knew that was going to start the song. I was, I was going to keep that. And two, I realized that she is extremely insecure and she doesn't think she's beautiful and that this song is the, exactly who it was meant for, you know, and yeah. then and then all and she did a couple takes and um, I think it was just the one, to be quite honest, that I used. That was the vocal. Um, you'll hear pages wow. turning in it and we comped in we um, re-sang the bridge uh, later and uh, because we didn't really have the bridge dialed in and that is it but 90% of that vocal is the the rough that she did that first day at my house in my studio wow wow that's amazing you know I, I want to ask you uh, also about a couple of albums that you worked on in 2004 which are Gwen Stefani's love angel music baby for which you wrote three of the tracks including the lead single what are you waiting for And Courtney Love's America's Sweetheart album, uh, for which you wrote eight of the songs, including the single Mono. In both cases, these are debut solo albums by lead singers of famous bands. And I look at those records, and at Christina's record, and I see projects where artists are finding their own voice a, a part of what has come before. Um, 
and I hear you doing that with with Christina, and, and you started kind of on a personal level, drawing that out, not just us saying, "Okay, let's get to work." Is that is that kind of how you work each time, where, where you say, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna find who you are as a human, and then we'll talk music next." Well, I want to go back to Karen Carpenter. Um, when I was young, I told you I felt like there's something deeper going on with this person. And as I grew up, you know, you start diving in and then, you know, you start wondering, okay, who is this person for real? Um, Where did she come from? Like, what is the relationship of the music for her? So I was just taking on that information and trying to understand where people come from an emotional place. And so you get to Karen Carpenter And as you start reading about her and knowing about her, you realize like, oh, she was struggling with a lot of stuff. I mean, Karen Carpenter didn't think she was good enough. She um, developed an eating disorder. She was singing these very, you know, poppy, happy-go-lucky songs when she was miserable inside. She didn't want to be a front person, but she stepped in that place because her brother wanted her to. She was insecure in that position. They took the drums away from her because they told her girls don't play drums. And so they took the drums away from her, and that was her true love. Playing drums is really—she was an incredible drummer. I don't think people understand. Like, she she was an, a phenomenal drummer, and yeah. that's what she liked to do. She liked to play jazz in a three-piece, and um, incredibly—I mean, I mean, incredible— And no women were doing that at all. And here's this thing that she loves most of all, and they take it away from her. That was her her prop. You know, that's what her security blanket put her in front Mm. of this. And now you got to be happy. You got to front this band. You got to be whatever. And 1983, you know, she dies and and dies from a very self inflicted, you know, mentally and emotional dangerous thing that a lot of you know girls suffer so anyways that to me is shocking you know so I've always like okay that made me realize you got there's more going on so you know when I hear people's tones and and music Sade um, uh, um, Annie Lennox uh, Chrissy Hines those tones Patti Smith Janis Joplin I'm not listening to their lyrics rarely to be honest I'm listening to their tone and so tone became my very first thing because in order to get the real tone you got to figure out who the person is so my mm. my process is when someone comes and works with me, yeah, we talk for a good two hours, if not even more, and then I wait until I hear the tone. And then when I hear the tone and identify it, that's where the song comes from. You know, um, Gwen wow. Stefani, What You Waiting For, I mean, she was petrified. She was petrified to go do this solo project. She's been with that band for her life you know and her brother she yeah. admired her brother and and joined the band and and um you know that her brother started and and had this family with them and but she was playing music that she wasn't really 100 percent happy with and so our first day was like <clears throat> all we did was talk and you know she was like i didn't even want to come here today 
and Jimmy made me do it and blah, 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 blah. Hmm. And then she left and I was just sitting with all of everything I took in and and I thought to myself, what is this woman waiting for? And then it hmm. just, the song just showed up and I just, I stayed hmm. up all night doing, the, I produced the whole thing. I just went, I just went. I just produced it all up. I added, I had the chorus, I had the backgrounds, I did everything. The track was pretty much done. I didn't have the verses, you know? And um, she walked in the next day and she's like, hey, and she's super sweet, you know? And, and and she's like, hey, how are you doing? What are you doing? And I didn't even say anything. I just pushed play. And she was like, after the end of it, she's like, holy fuck, Perry. What the fuck is that? <laughs> and I'm like, you inspired this. And I was up all night because you left me with this on my mind and in my heart. And we had so much doing fun doing the vocal. And um, and then Jimmy Iovine showed up the next day. And he's like, awesome. We got our first single, you know, and. And, and it was just perfect, and that's pretty much how we work the rest of the time. So, you know, so that is my process. Courtney, you know, that's a whole other story because Courtney love, but I think that um, <laughs> it's important to really talk to your artists and really understand what you're getting involved with because the truth is I much rather write a really great heartfelt album track than a hit that means nothing, mm. you know? Mm. Yeah. As you mentioned album tracks here, I pivot back to singles. Uh, well, very, very <laughs> clumsy of me. Um, but in addition to writing singles like Superwoman with Alicia Keys and My Love for Celine Dion, uh, you continued to f find success with Christina Aguilera with the singles Hurt and, and Candyman from the Back to Basics album, as well as the top 10 hit Keeps Getting Better. And Keeps Getting Better is yet another kind of stylistic shift for Christina. It's got more kind of an electronic vibe to it. Um, and it kind of made me wonder, you know, here you are a person who can make records with, you know, Dolly Parton, Christina Aguilera, Cheap Trick. I mean, you you are able to sort of work in these different genres. Um, but for you as a songwriter... Um, I'm curious in what way the studio is actually a songwriting tool. And I guess what I'm asking is, do you kind of sit down with a guitar or a piano and, and write your song and figure out the production later? Or is the actual production process and the writing process intertwined as you're kind of bringing these things to life? So the production is the last thing I think about. Like, to me, the song is the most important part. And um, so... A lot of the times, I'm just, I'm just grabbing a guitar so you understand. So, so a lot of the times, you know, we'll be like, okay, it's very important to find the song. So I could be like with the artist, you know, hey, now I'm just making this up right now. Good night. No, the way. Everybody want to say that. Don't you know, come back. Whatever. Um, and then the, right. the artist immediately wants to start producing that. And it, it and I'm like, wait, there's no song yet. You know? And, <laughs> and right. I'm like, 
it cracks me up every single time. I'm like, I don't even know if those are the right chords yet. I'm, and so I'll start like, you know, going, you have to listen. It's like, okay, you, now instead of doing it the rhythm I was going, I'm, I'm gonna slow it down and just go back and forth. First, we gotta write mm. the song. Hey, right. now, and now I have them different now. Everyone, everybody got me saying that I love you truly. Now, right, it's different from where I started. Don't you know I can't understand this pain? Oh, no, no, you never tease me if I wonder. Whatever. So now we yeah. found the song, and now they're like going, okay, let's produce it. I'm like, no, we're not, we can't do that yet. We can't produce it yet because now we got to identify what, you know, the, the lyrical content and are, do we have the right arrangement? So it's funny to me mm. how everybody just instantly wants to jump in to the production by just playing three chords. And they think that you know, no matter what, that's going to turn into a song. And the truth is, yes, it probably will. But what we don't know is we don't know what the song wants to be yet. So when people start hmm. p producing songs before they even know what the song is, it's like it's like dressing somebody before you even know their sizes or what they're into. Um, what kind of party are they going to? It's like you can't just put hmm. somebody in a ball gown if they're going to a picnic, you know. So to yeah. me, that's what songwriting. That's why it's so important. The production follows the song. So now I got this very, okay. All right, it's a, a ballad, but the artist, you know, they are electronic. So now that makes me go, okay, this could be cool. This is how yeah. we're going to do this. So the song is all done, and now we can really hear what the song is. Now the possibilities are endless because we have the full song. We have an understanding of mm. what the fuck we're dealing with. Um, and to me, right. it just makes a better song. Uh, but that's just my style. I do know songwriters and producers that, you know, they come up with a track and it's, you know, aim, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to do these chords. I'm going to put the beat. I'm going to do it all up. I'm going to make it sound like it's the radio. I'm going to make it sound like the next Ariana Grande hit, whatever it is. And then we're going to find the song there. But there's, but you know what the song doesn't have when, when you do that, it's got nowhere to go when you do that. Hmm. Because now yeah. you just built this whole track on these particular chords and, and now it's got nowhere to go because now you're just, you know, you're in quarantine with those chords, you know, so you, you can't <laughs> right. do anything more with it. So you just do the best yeah. that you can. And great songs have been written that way, but it's just not my way. Yeah, you know? yeah. I love that. So I um, thought we'd just throw out um, kind of a little lightning round here and, and throw out a few of your uh, your songs from, from more recent years and just get some kind of off the top of the heads, you know, type of thoughts of, of what pops into your mind about, about the writing process or, or something about that. And I uh, thought we'd start um, with uh, Brave New World, a, a Weezer song you wrote with lead singer Rivers Cuomo. Brave New World. That was a very funny uh, um, session because it was a lot of um, Rivers not sure what he wanted to do with the band. And then I kind of came up with this idea and um, and it ended up like he took it. He loved it, took it home and then sent it back to me. And 
Um, I really enjoyed that session. He's such a he's such an oddball. That guy. I loved every moment of being in the studio with him. And that song just came hmm. quickly. It was very very quick. And then the the process of it was pretty simple. But it it was just entertaining because he's so he's so smart. So what would come yeah, to my yeah. mind? Quirky, extremely smart um, artist, and um, a, a very fast song that showed up. Well, next up we have. Uh, Ariana Grande's gold certified debut single Put Your Hearts Up yeah honestly I knew I I remember approving that you know I didn't work with her like it it was she just used the the chorus I guess I'm not even too sure if I 100% have heard this song but um, she had just started (laughs) in um, there was like a big push and I I didn't think what she did um, was I think I heard the verses. I, I I can't remember everything, but I was like, yeah, of course. A new artist is being influenced by something you did it's great because it just shows that what you're doing is timeless and that it a, a, a younger artist can relate you know to your music so that just makes I think any writer feel good um, what can you tell us about uh, can't let go which appeared on the deluxe version of Adele's 25 album that was you know Adele is her own person I mean, she, I, I mean, she's, she's writing. She's just using you as a tool. You know, all hmm. that was hmm. is she doesn't play piano and she, I stumbled on some chords. She told me, get rid of that one. I like that one, told me exactly how to play it. And I just was a loop. I just played it over and over and over for her. She asked me, I think I came up with one melodic thing in the chorus but she just is her own machine. I mean, she, I love Adele. Like she very, she knows what she wants. There's not one bit of her that is in doubt of, of her creative, um, uh, the creative that is driving in, in, in her. And so literally, I think I was, you know, a loop for her. And I just kept playing the song over and over and over and over until she got it. I made a couple suggestions. She asked for a couple suggestions. Bang, song done. She wrote all the lyrics. I may have said something about can't let go in an ad lib. And she went with that. But other than that, I mean, honestly, it, it, you know, she wrote that song. I mean, I just did what wow. she told me to do. <laughs> well, well, the last one in our little rapid fire list of titles here is Hands of Love, which Miley Cyrus recorded for the film Free Held. Hands of Love, I wrote in the car on my way to go meet Stacy Share, the producer. I went to go see the movie. They asked me if I wanted to write a song. I saw the movie. I got out of the movie. Um, I had a meeting right after. So in my car, you know, in my head, the song was written. I got to her office. There was a piano there, and I got there early, so I just sat down at the piano, um, 
put my um, voice recorder up and recorded the 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 pian- the notes that I was hearing. I already had written the words in my head. I just wrote them down. And so I go in the meeting with her. She says, uh, um, this is the kind of song we're looking for. I said, hey, do you mind if I play you something? I wrote something in the car on my way here. And she was like in shock, like what? So I play her the song. She's like, oh my God, accepted the song on the spot. And then we were talking about who to get it, and we all came up with Miley Cyrus, called her up, got her on board, and she came to the studio and sang it. I mean, it literally was that effortless, that song. In the hands of love. love Miley. I'm a big Miley fan. Yeah, great voice. Um, you know, we talked about Dolly, and aside from Dolly, there's a bit of a, a country music thread that runs through your career. Faith Hill's 2002 album Cry featured a song written by you and Pink called uh, If You're Gonna Fly Away. Um, you collaborated with The Chicks, uh, until recently known as The Dixie Chicks, uh, on the song Voice Inside My Head on their 2006 album Taking the Long Way. And the other thread that kind of connects that country theme that I see is from the 2017 soundtrack for the documentary served like a girl about military veterans. And you worked on that entire, um, soundtrack, but one of the songs on there, uh, called America performed by Christina Aguilera sounds to me like it could, could be a country record. And I think because Paul and I are both Nashville natives who live in, in LA, we're always kind of interested in that, um, kind of country thread and how it 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 raises its head in in different ways um what relationship do you have with with country music or or the music world in nashville if any well i don't know what it is but i love nashville and i love country music i don't play country i don't even listen to it i don't even know where the fuck it comes from but i have a thing (laughs) like it's a passion like when I got, um, you know, rolling after Beautiful and I, you know, my head was up my ass and I thought was I was the hottest thing, you know, I went to go try to take over Nashville. I was like, I'm going in there. I'm going to go take over. And the funny thing about Faith Hill is I had written these two songs for her and they were very, very cool. Very. I mean, they were great Faith Hill songs. And she loved them, and she was just like, you know, I don't want to do another Faith Hill record. I mean, it was she, and and this was a time Nashville wasn't accepting from the outsiders. Like, I believe I got there, and she got phone calls right away that, you know, I heard you brought Linda Perry in, an outsider. Like, she was getting shit for having reached out to someone outside of Nashville. And um, so we go in to record these songs at Blackbird, Um, and you know, that was a whole other funny experience, you know, because I walked in and they had set up the sound already. I'm like, huh? I go, this is not my sound. And so I had to restart, do everything all over. And they kind of got annoyed with me. Like, this is not my drum sound. This is your drum sound. I don't want these sounds, you know? So I brought in a really, a cooler vibe and, and, and then I'm not kidding you. And this is not a lie. 
I walk out, we're done. Faith had a little bit of a cold and we were gonna redo the vocals. But I walk out, get in the car on my way to the airport. My manager at the time gets a phone call from um, her managers just saying, just so you know, these songs will never, ever see the light of day on any Faith Hmm. Hill record. And it was the most rudest thing and um, it was so funny, but I've gotten even more. um, So I was just like, okay, I guess I'm not going to break into country today. But um, I'm going to figure it out. But, you know, now I go to I go to Nashville a lot and I still haven't had my day in the sun yet. And yes, though, I worked with Nashville's, you know, darling. But, you know, I I want to do country. I, I it's in my blood. I don't know why. I mean, I really I'm a you know, I'm a fucking Brazilian kid from San Diego. I know nothing about country music. But I know it when I hear it. I know the realness. And I think that's what it is because in my older age, I did start diving into what, um, you know, to, to Willie Nelson, Patsy Cline, to, you know, even Dusty Springfield, which I know she's not country, but it's like it's in that vein. Um, yeah. And then I found uh, Mindy Smith. And, um, you know, like and, and, and there's, again, this tone. If you listen to old country, there's a tone there of very yeah. you know dark and depressing and and i think i just gravitate towards that so the the songs that i wrote for faith were very dark and they were very depressing and she loved them because faith hill is dark and depressing you know whether people believe it or not <laughs> she is she's unhappy you know mm-hmm. and um so it's like i think i'm gravi- i gravitate towards that so i think that's what my my passion is picking up on and I do, I do want to, I mean, I would love to move to Nashville. I'd love to be the Nashville darling producer songwriter that everybody calls. Um, I'd probably be super happy. And if, if, if that is possible, you know, um, but I, 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 I just, I, I don't know. It, it, it's just in me to want to, to, to go there. I'm, I'm just attracted to that style. You were nominated for Producer of the Year at the 2019 Grammy Awards, which is an award that very few women have been nominated for, and I'm not sure if, if any have ever won. Um, you know, there are some female artists who produce their own records, but female producers for other artists are pretty rare. And and I would imagine that the reasons for that probably run the gamut. Uh, you know, pr- probably in some ways the industry is shutting women out of those roles or, or that some young girls don't even realize coming up that that's a career option. Is that something that's important to you and, and maybe even a part of your legacy um, that you will, you know, it's just about inspiring young women to realize, hey, I can do this? Well, one of the things I think is extremely important is for... Um everyone to know for for girls to know that you don't just have to be a pop star you know and there are different areas that you can do you can become an incredible producer you can be an incredible writer you can be an extraordinary engineer you can run a label you can be a manager you can do all these things and um, you can be behind the scenes controlling it all to me it's actually a more powerful position to be in um, there is no woman like me. There's no woman that's managing artists that produced that song, the songwriter, and was an artist. No one's doing what I do, you know. Um, and you know, I've been really lucky and 
not lucky, and I'm a hard worker, you know, but I always, I do, I, I don't even know if luck, I mean, it's just like sometimes the stars just have to align, and you can be mm. in the right place at the right time. The, the producer of the year, I mean, what I loved about that was, yeah, no woman has won, and it's shocking, and yes, women don't, for some reason, get nominated to do doing their own albums, it's like, you got tons of women doing their own albums that are extremely successful, but for some reason they're not being um, nominated for them, and um, which is strange. And then you have the the excuse of oh well it's because they're new and they've only done this, but then there's been a lot of male producers that are ex- new, first time success with the record, and they only did that record, and they're nominated. So mm-hmm. that's the the problem that I'm having. So yes, I'm a, a bit a, a big advocate for women, and not 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 because I'm not. It's like we have to be equal in this because I don't I don't believe in being the 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 victim. You know, I want the girls to be the vixen, and you know, to 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 really fight for what is rightfully theirs. So I teach girls how to fight and be strong and powerful, not how to. I don't I don't keep saying, oh, we're it's not equal, it's not equal. That's just a negative. We got to change the the language. It's hmm. like you just are going to be this, and hmm. we're going to make it make sure that this is going to be available. You know, no is not an option. You know, and if you really want something, you got to go work for it. And women have to work for it a lot harder than men. And that's just a fact. That's just a fact. You know, that it's I'm not making some bold statement. It's just a fact. So now that we have the facts, you're just going to have to work and go fucking get what you and, you know, get what is rightfully yours until this fact can change until it's more on, you know, uh, uh, you know, instead of. 2080 we can be more like 40 60 and then hopefully we'll get to 50 50 and in time that will happen so i can't dwell on what hasn't happened i can only focus on getting girls into where they should just you know just keep going at it just don't look over there right now just focus on your strength how good you are your passion and yes, are there going to be obstacles? But we're all trying to figure out how to fight those obstacles. But first, we need to get you there. And I think maybe it's just not a sexy job. Maybe, you know, maybe the it's not, you know, like when a lot of times people think a producer, they think of some old fart, you know, dude, you know, with a big tummy that's sitting there, you know, pushing <laughs> knobs around that, you know what I mean? Like, right. if you really think about it, that's what they think about. Right. So... I don't think girls understand what a powerful female producer looks like Mm. because they can't see them. So our job, my job, is to try to get more to come out so we can look at them. So now they can go, I want to be her. I want to be that. And I or I just want that career. Right. You know, whether it's female or male, doesn't matter. I want that career. I want that mm. person's career because wouldn't shouldn't that be the way it is? It should be like whose career do you like? I like Absolutely. that person's career, whether it's a guy or a girl. It's like yeah, I just yeah, like yeah. where they're going. But yeah. you know, I think once we can change the language to whatever the language is supposed to be, you know, I think we're going to start seeing a better outcome. But right now, 
yes, the the industry needs people like me to fight f- to get more girls to come out and not be so discouraged, you know, and let them know it's not a bunch of white guys that are overweight with big bellies that are sitting on their phone smoking cigarettes or whatever telling people what to do it's actually a beautiful (laughs) experience to be a producer it's empowering well linda this has been amazing your career is uh obviously been so varied and uh it's cool how you have just kind of followed uh the muse and i feel like we've just scratched the surface there's so many uh things that we could have talked about um i really thank you for spending some time with us today and giving us some insight into your career and and your process this has been fabulous absolutely thank you you guys i appreciate it thanks for listening We'd love to stay connected with you, so please take a moment to subscribe to Songcraft via Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your podcast app of choice. If you like the show, we ask you to consider rating us and leaving us a good review. Word of mouth is important, and letting our potential listeners know what you think of the show helps us tremendously. You can also sign up for our email list at songcraftshow.com and support us at patreon.com slash songcraftshow. And if you'd like, please follow us on Facebook and Twitter by searching for Songcraft Show, all one word. And finally, be sure to check out our friends at the American Songwriter Podcast Network at americansongwriter.com. Thanks, as always, for listening and for your support.